0: Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller.
1: Welcome back to another Service Management Leadership Podcast. I'm joined by Roman Shurevlev and David Cannon again. We're discussing trends in the service management space. Today's topic is partners and suppliers. And so this is a great topic because there's so many ways for these gentlemen to take it. So let me start with Roman. What do you see some of the trends?
0: Well, hello everyone again, and uh, our, I would start probably with something that I am really, am really pleased to see growing as a trend when it comes to all areas that we have been discussing. Didn't touch upon this in technology and uh our, our people, but it affects those as well. And this is the topic of sustainability. And uh, uh, It becomes more and more uh, visible and important and uh, on the agenda of uh, leaders and managers and uh, uh, different businesses. And it also becomes uh, clear that sustainability is not limited to environmental aspects. When it comes to supplier management and we think of sustainable uh, suppliers and uh, uh, we think of our social responsibility, we think of our fair trading, we actually care where our suppliers uh, uh, take their resources and how they treat their people uh, and uh, how it affects our sustainability, our impact. uh, And uh, in environmental part, it means how it affects our uh, carbon footprint or how it affects our social footprint. Uh, are we committed to uh, fair trading? Or have we just removed everything that doesn't look really well from our internal scope and moved it to the third parties? You know, like uh, uh, a week ago when we were discussing clouds, um, if, if we look at the clouds in the sustainability uh, context, then generally it's fair to say that uh, um, for the same workload, uh, if we move something, some workload from on-premise solutions to cloud, then we reduce the carbon footprint. But this is fair for the same workload. And uh, just as David mentioned last time, uh, we immediately lose control of how this workload grows and every everyone is benefiting from the cloud. Um, uh, elasticity and uh, keeps scaling up and very soon we end up with tripled workload and uh, uh, we need to remember that uh, we stopped smoking the sky by moving to cloud, but now AWS, or whoever is our provider, is smoking the sky on our behalf. And uh, uh, we do not know, we, well, we usually know that for the same workload, they generally are more environmentally friendly. But for the actual work- workload that we create, are they, have we increased or decreased our, our, our carbon footprint? And similar considerations, they actually apply to economic and uh, our social aspects of sustainability. Our, do our steps in technology development um, uh, meet our sustainability requirements or global sustainability requirements, or if you like our consumer's sustainability requirements to us as a provider? That's one thing. So we need to think long-term and we need to obviously include our Uh, suppliers and partners in the considerations of the long-term success. Another thing that I would like to highlight are, and we keep referring to this in pretty much every practice guide in ITO, there is not a single service management practice in modern organization that is completely, uh, let's say, fulfilled by its own resources. We have third parties involved in pretty much every workflow we as a service provider engage in. Uh, it can be incident management with third parties uh, being involved in resolving incidents. It can be uh, our I don't know service desk when we use agents from our uh, our managed service providers. It can be problem management when we involve uh, third parties in detecting and correcting our, our, our problems. Name a practice, and we will find where in any of the thirty-four ITSM practices described tonight before third parties are involved which again links us back to the previous podcast that we recorded on this trends. Organizations have to think how uh, they uh, integrate third parties in their value streams, how they automate integration of third parties in their value streams, and how they ensure that culturally, ethically, uh, and uh, in other human aspects of our joint work, these third parties are integrated into our value streams. And if I am a supplier and I work for multiple consumers, I need to understand how I uh, manage to meet requirements of all of them and my own corporate standards are to actually fit into those various streams of multiple uh, management systems. And I believe it's a huge challenge, largely um, enforced again by the pandemic, and uh, we move to more distributed workforce. We move to uh, less uh, compact and uh, harder to understand uh, topologies of our corporate networks, of our infrastructures. And we have more and more third parties involved in serving our, what we now consider, let's say virtual infrastructure of our uh, enterprise. If we have people working in different locations using their own devices or using our devices, but in their uh, our own home networks, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we have unknown that is involved in uh, our support of this infrastructure as well. I have a contract with my uh, broadband provider and uh, they have nothing to do with the company I work for. But uh, the way I work for the company certainly depends on that culture. And there are there are many many examples like this that need to be addressed and will be increasingly need to be addressed because these trends will continue.
2: Hope it makes sense, David. What do you think? No, I uh, I agree with you. It does make sense to me, and I uh, I think one of the trends that I'm seeing is a greater focus on transparency. Uh, not just compliance. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of focus on on compliance over over the last at least two decades. Um, you know, compliance to ISO standards or other regulations, uh, depending on which country you're in. Country you're in, but increasingly, uh, there's a focus on the need to be transparent and reporting for transparency. So, if if we look at, um, for example, SOC two kind of reporting. Um, <clears throat> which um which which looks at uh it, it's 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 not necessarily a compliance
1: based uh reporting Uh, what it says,
2: we take right to our and these are the these are the mechanisms we put in place to make sure that that service is met, and so that you can calculate how much risk you're at when you're work when you're doing business with us.
1: Uh, that's probably not a, but uh, it's, it's quite a paraphrased way of looking.
2: it. SOC2, it's more, more trend towards that way. If I'm going to do business with you, how much risk am I engaging in? How much risk am I taking on? And people want to know the answer to that question. And that will include things like disclosing what Roman is talking about the, uh, um, you know, which third parties are you using? Are they insured? Uh, are you sure that their minimum levels of service? Um, you know, I'm going to enable you to give me what you promised you would give me. So a lot more focus on that. Um, I think think a couple of other trends that I'm seeing, some of them bigger than others. Um, Cloud, I think, is still largely a mess. Not the cloud service providers themselves, of course, I would never say that. But I think there is just a lot of different opinion about what it takes to manage cloud well. And a lot of companies are struggling to manage cloud well. And so I think we're going to see in the next year or two, we're going to see a lot more focus on how do you manage services in the cloud? Um, And we're not talking here about the architectures and uh, and the technical capabilities. We're talking about the governance. How do you make sure that when you move something into the cloud, you are getting what you need to support your operating model? Um, and I, I think in some cases, I, I don't want to be too, um, uh, too negative here, but I think in a lot of cases, services are moved into the cloud without the groups that are moving them, understanding what the role of those services is in the operating model of the companies they work for. Well, you told me to deliver the service. I can deliver it better if it's in the cloud. Yes, but did you really understand what impact that would have on the way in which the company works? Um, And very often we didn't because we didn't understand how that service is used further than just us delivering it. So we're going to see a lot more focus on, uh, I think, what I would call the story around our technology services and not just the services themselves. Um, another thing as a result of this, I think we're going to see is dynamic contracting is going to increase. We've already seen that starting. Um, but, you know, we're done with the days where you outsourced your data center for five years and it was going to be, you know, a million dollars a year or whatever the case it was. Uh, and then after year two, you realize that your contract just doesn't meet your needs anymore because things have changed so much. We, we, we can't afford to have that kind of contract in place. So we're starting to see the move to more dynamic contracting, um, more flexible contracting. Um, and we're still, we're still trying to work that out as well. And for similar reasons to why we're still trying to work cloud out. And that is that we're outsourcing things. And then suddenly we realize, oh, well, we didn't realize, you know, we'd passed this control over or we no longer have control over that or, well we didn't think that we needed to be responsible for x and this comes out uh once you know once the outsourcing is taking place or once you move to a managed service provider and that then has to be resolved so you need that sort of dynamic contracting to be able to take care of those kind of situations so i I see an increase in that um Roman has got his got his hand up, and uh, I was just thinking about my next point. So I, I'm going to let him give me some more time to think about that. <laughs> While well, we are thinking
0: of the next point, I wanted to add to the previous one. Yeah. Uh, when you think of dynamic contracting, it kind of it's not direct thing, but it kind of triggered this trail of thoughts in my head. Um, I think we again uh, we people working from from everywhere, and with more and more, uh, let's say, diverse structures of of organizations. We uh, see how the line between uh, third parties and hence suppliers and partners, and workforce and uh, organization and people, so our own resources, how this line is blurring, so uh, we have in our company we have people who are, are, are legally employed by our one organization, another organization, because we are an international company and different countries have different legal entities. By uh, we have people who are uh, self-employed and contracted, although they work full-time for this organization. So um, those who legally can be treated or should be treated as third parties, but uh, are, are on a day-to-day basis, uh, are just members of the team, uh, fully engaged, following the principles, or uh, are, are following, uh, like being part of the culture of the company, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, and I think that that's another trend. We will see um, less formal and more engaged, Uh, third parties in some cases, are like suppliers who are not in fact suppliers, but close partners or even uh, de facto parts of our organization. And we will see uh, our our suppliers that remain suppliers and uh, just follow the the letter of the contract. And it will be important to tell the former from the letter and treat them accordingly. We will see how our internal policies, uh, how our internal our uh, culture will be applying to uh, some suppliers and they will become more engaged in our uh, de facto ecosystem although the euro will will stay outside of it
2: well and that that raises uh, another important point on this and this is I, I think what's happening is companies are exploring this whole concept of value co-creation you know, we've spoken about that for a few years, but what what we're seeing is that you know what what keeps a contractor like that loyal to the company because even though he or she is being treated as and is acting as an employee, they're not, they're a contractor. So how does that loyalty be you know how, how do we manage that kind of loyalty and, um, and and this understanding that we're we're both getting something out of the relationship and how do we quantify that and how do we manage that? That's at a personal level, but it happens at at an organizational level as well. I I think uh, we're very familiar. Those of us who've been in the industry for a while and have worked for um, larger organizations know very well the kind of bullying behavior that happens by customers of their vendors and the other way around too, for that matter. And I think we're moving away from that into more of a, you know, it, it works better if we both understand what's in it for us. So we're successful, we both get something out of this relationship, let's focus on that and figure out how we're gonna achieve that. So that I think is becoming more and more characteristic of the way in which organizations are working together. I think it's a really good thing. Um, so, uh, and it's 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 important to do that because the more, you know, we're, we're moving more and more of what we do externally. So managed service providers, we're using more and more managed service providers than ever before. It is really important for those managed service providers, even if they provide us with a commodity service, it's really important that they understand why we need them and what we're doing with their service. And it's very important, for example, outsourced help desks or service desks. They need to understand something about our business and what's important to us and what's valuable to us. If they don't, the, the, the level and quality of support is not likely to be all that good. So this whole value co-creation thing, I think, is is, is going to be absolutely key to, um, I think, one of you mentioned the term integrated uh, supplier management or uh, service uh, integration, Siam, um, forget what the A stands for, um, <laughs> service integration and uh, management. Um You know, it's, we're not just suppliers and customers anymore. We're kind of partners. We're working, we're we're trying to figure out what our common objectives are, and we're working towards those. A lot more of that discussion happening than ever before.
1: Great discussion, guys. I I do think we could probably talk for hours on this topic, just because... Our partners and suppliers have become part of who we are as an as organization, and I appreciate the way both Roman and David uh, couched their conversation, because to Roman's point, I do think that we'll need to understand our relationships and make sure that we, we treat everyone the way that relationship is, and David on SIAM as well, because SIAM, I think, is here to stay and growing. And so uh, great conversation, guys. Audience, stay tuned. Next week is our fourth and final episode in the series. We talk about value streams and processes. And uh, it's a good topic. And I think more companies are going towards value streams. So thank you, Roman and David, and check back next week. Thank you,
2: you, Jeffrey.